Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to What the Buck. I am Old School, your host, and I am really excited. We've got someone who has not been in the studio here before, and uh, you know, it's in the makeshift studio. It's in my office, so I gave him the tour around. The new studio should be ready within the next two weeks, and we'll be back to our normal full strength, but when we get there, we'll be able to have folks in and do the roundtable kind of stuff that we've done before and maybe do some new things as well. I'm working with a couple of other folks on Twitter to try and get some additional coverage and some things that we think are fun. And and a lot of those things for myself and also for Trevor, who's across from me, Trevor Sikama from PewterReport.com, as well as the Draft Network, um, are a lot of the X's and O's. And we've been trying for the better part of seven years to come up with some way to do this in a way that's extensible and can be conveyed and and it's like the nfl presentation where you have a board and you can telestrate i mean this is not rocket science unless you're trying to do it out of your house or your trailer and and then it's a challenge because we don't have forty thousand dollars worth of gear but we are going to work to do that better uh tonight i've got trevor here with us we're going to chop things up when it comes to the eagles game we're going to look forward to the steelers game and uh, to be honest it's really kind of a new world here we talk about wins Trevor, this is kind of a different experience for us, isn't it? <laughs> it's an extremely different experience. I would say, you know, I got um, I got family who is from Philly, and they were down for the game this weekend, and obviously it did not go in their favor. Um, and I also have family that's obviously from Tampa, and when that game ended, uh, one of my family members, one of the people from Philly, said, "I'm not going on Twitter. I'm not going to Trevor's Twitter. I'm just gonna get mad." And my other and my other family, my cousin was like, "Nah, I mean he's a journalist, dude. He's gonna, it's fine. It's professional." The first tweet he sees is me screenshotting the Google. Where do you buy Super Bowl tickets in September? <laughs> I gotta admit, your Twitter feed is quite entertaining. It's it's been a nice mix of, like I mentioned before, I, one of the things I love about what you've been doing is the cover three stuff you're doing, which is sort mm-hmm. of deep dive. Appreciate it. But you're also not afraid to do the ask me anything bullshit and and like lighthearted stuff and the stuff you're doing with Ledyard today was entertaining. Uh, about lunch pail, um, that was entertaining. <laughs> He's from Pittsburgh, and he doesn't even know what a lunch pail is. Listen, it, nothing surprises me anymore. Come that comes on. along with being old as shit. So um, let's let's kick things off with some thanks to our sponsors. Remind people about what happened at our tailgate this week, and then we'll jump right into the fun part. We want to thank Steps Towing, our platinum sponsor. Uh, we uh, sh- we showed a lot of the new stuff at our tailgate this uh, this last Sunday. The new dock is there, and hopefully, you guys enjoyed the experience that, that provided. We had the fan step up shot of the game. Sponsored by Steps Towing, as well as the other things that Steps Towing does. We want to thank Tito's Vodka, Steakhouse Elite, and of course Yingling. Yingling made a massive uh, impact to us at our tailgate this week. So it was a great time. You guys got to see that the What the Buck tailgate has been your port in the storm uh, for the better part of 13 years. And we're going to continue to be that. Last week, because of the heavy influence of the Northeast, uh, we did really well for One Voice. I think we're going to be around $2,500 net proceeds to One Voice. This week, again, the Monday Night Football game will be to One Voice as well. And if we do our jobs and everyone gets out there and feels very charitable, we will continue to whip pediatric cancer um, and get to that five grand over two tailgate uh, number, which is fantastic. So big shout-out to everyone who was able to take a pie in the face. We look like idiots. Trevor, I don't know if you saw some of the pictures from the tailgate. I haven't seen it from this week, no. So we do sort of this uh, this take on the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. And I don't know whether Cheryl came up with it, Spent, or who came up with it, but the idea was to whip pediatric cancer. And so people would pay oh, 10 bucks, and you get a pie in the face, right? That's good. And what's fantastic is— You get to is, choose the kind of pie. Well, no, no. It Really, it's just shaving cream. We oh, tried doing okay. it real cream, and it got really rank um, one year. <laughs> that was take one. And then okay. take take two was don't do that shit okay, again. okay. Uh, so, you know, we had uh, Tracy and Tien out there making the pies, and then we had people would sponsor, like, okay, $100, uh, I'll put up 100 if someone else does 100 or we get 10 people to do pies. Mm-hmm. And then it, it becomes just a complete shit show in a good way. Like, we had a Giants fan one year who was in total regalia 
and face paint and the whole nine yards, and he yeah. was moved enough by it. He's like, fuck it, let's go. And he let someone pie him That's in the awesome. face. So it's been fantastic. Y'all do a lot of great stuff, man. I just got to say. I mean, I try to pie. Like, anytime somebody says to me, like, hey, it's my first Bucks game in years. You know, where do I need to go in Tampa? What tailgate do I need to go to? I try to every time steer them towards what you guys are doing because you guys do some really cool stuff. Well, we, we try and have fun with it. You know, there's really serious things that underpin everything we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you focus on the serious side of it, uh, it can be debilitating. And, you know, one of the things has been great, and I won't belabor this point because we're talking about football tonight, but one of the things when Cheryl really kicked up the charitable side and, and founded the 501c3, she was able to pull me and I suspect a lot of others into areas that I didn't think I could go. Uh, pediatric cancer is not an area. I'm a, I'm a father. I, I don't do well with that. I don't do well mm-hmm. with kids that are hurt. And I never thought I could do it. And what's funny is working with those kids when I have the opportunity to, not nearly as much as she and some of the other people in the team do, uh, but working with those organizations have been so enriching. Uh, and it's it's really taken game day and and made it way beyond the whistles, right? It's it's not and, – and for a decade of just fucking trash football, it made our Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays sure. worth going sure. to. Sure, yeah, right? absolutely. So, absolutely. So now this is like whole new world for us. Tailgate culture is awesome. It, it's totally different. It's so awesome. You never lose in a tailgate. And this year we will hit our official 100th tailgate. There's going to be some noise about that coming yeah, up here soon. Awesome. Yep. And maybe you lazy fucks can come down to the tailgate. <laughs> You're almost as bad as Cook. <laughs> I can't walk all the way down there. My my corn's in my sciatica. No, no, no. no, no, no. My excuse is I got to have my ass in the stadium because I got to do the work while he's walking up the stairs. Oh, yeah. He does take a while to get That's up the stairs. That's what I'm doing. Nice. All right. So we've got... Um, Oh, and we're collecting socks and toothbrushes this week. Cheryl reminded me for Paul's Project, um, which is fantastic. So uh, One Voice is the beneficiary. Paul's Project with it were the are the collectibles. So socks, toothbrushes, stuff like that, we'll collect and give them to Paul's Project. Uh, good evening from Kentucky. And all you folks in the chat room, whether you be in the audio chat room in Mixler or the video chat room on Facebook, hey, I just got to say the ship is getting a little crowded. There's a bunch of people jumping on board this uh, Buccaneers bandwagon all yeah. of a sudden. It must be interesting for you because ever since you've come back, it's been just getting kicked in the teeth. Yep. And and now all of a sudden, this team looks like it's for real. What's the difference from your perspective as a, as a real journalist? Yeah, let me tell you, the media room was a lot more full today than mm. I have probably ever seen it. We actually had like a couple of like bilingual reporters in there too, and I was like, oh, Oh, they're, uh, they must be winning. They must yeah. be winning. All now of a sudden, got, people in, in the Spanish places care about us. That's look, good. Look, I mean, last year, went into the season, you know, we had they had hard knocks. They had all the hype that was around it. They had some big-name free agents they brought in. Obviously, those didn't end up to be super home runs. But the draft picks kind of were, right? I mean, O.J. Howard, Justin Evans, Chris Godwin, those guys were big contributors. And so when you looked at this team on paper last year, you thought this team could compete. This Absolutely. team could really do it. And it's so difficult when you lose to not be able it, it makes losing more difficult when you can't point to something, right? When you can look at a roster and say, Well, you know, we just don't have a we don't have a we don't have a linebacker or we just don't have the receivers. That you can you can you can be angry as a fan, but it's okay. Last year, they had a good roster and yeah. they still sucked. And I think that was really hard for people to accept because they didn't know what to do and they just got angry about it. I think part of the challenge was that sucked is too strong a word. And we've lived in sucked, right? But That's, there w- t- that's, just, uh, that's just Todd Munkett's quote. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> and, and, and I'm okay with those binaries, right? Know, when I'm you're a kidding. coach, I'm, I'm down with the whole pounding your chest and sure. you either, there's winners and there's losers, right? And we can go Ricky Bobby style if we want to. 
But when you look at those close games last year that those Bucks had a chance to win, it was evident that the talent was there. Mm-hmm. The challenge was the execution by the talent wasn't sure. there. And and to be honest, and I have long banged this drum. Uh, sometimes the schematics weren't quite there. They weren't taking oh. full advantage of the talent. The, it was like they had a rookie chef, and I don't mean that to be Coach Cutter necessarily, but uh, you could argue Mike Smith was you know, certainly hamstrung, hamstrung by the injuries that he had. Um, but I think when you look at what's happened on the offensive side of the ball, and, and we're going to hop all over tonight, guys, so re- recognize that the structure that I would normally try and follow is gone because I really enjoy talking football with Trevor, and they've got so much fun shit to talk about. There was a great article, and I apologize. It's on my Twitter feed. Real Bucks Talk tweeted it out, talking about the offensive schemes on fansided.com uh, mm-hmm. and how uh, Coach Munkins implemented some Eric Coriel, uh, and there's a lot of different uh, route combinations and schemes on the offensive side of the ball yep. that are only enabled because the offensive line is getting that quarterback an extra second, second and a half. For sure, for sure. Yep. That's the difference, right? That, that it, When you think about the difference in winning and losing, mm-hmm. right? And I don't want to go any given Sunday style here and start ranting and raving, but those little things. Oh, trench play. Absolutely. It's not even a little thing. Like, you got to be able to get it done. Yep. That's what I was worried about going into the season, too. You know, I remember, um, you know, when the Saints game was going on, I think I tweeted mid-Saints game, and I was just like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And you were one of the people who was like, I can. You know, because <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. You see, the t- like you said, the team's got talent. They've showed it in spurts before. But I think the big reason why I couldn't believe it is because the offensive line throughout training camp, you know, Ali Marpet was out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Demar Dotson took a little bit to get back. Yeah, he was learning a new position. Obviously, Ryan Jensen's a new guy. You like the addition, but who knows any adi- ad- any addition to a spot, especially one that requires the quarterback of the line. Yeah, the quarterback of the line, absolutely. Yeah, and then Donovan goes down with that knee injury. So I'm like, man, this offensive line barely even played together going into Week One at New Orleans. That's gonna be tough. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you got people talking smack to Cam Jordan like to his face. I'm like, okay, all right. I guess these guys. I don't know. The, the Bucks do that that mic'd up thing every yeah. week and, and OJ Howard was doing the mic'd up and Cam Jordan, I guess OJ got the better of him one time. And Cam Jordan basically said like, Hey, if you try that again, like I'm going to put you on your ass. And OJ's like, all right, try it. Yeah. I'm going to be ba- here basically. <laughs> and then like later in the clip, he's talking to, I, I might've been talking to Marpet, I think. And he was like, he told me he's going to put me on my ass. And he's like, started laughing about it. And I, that killed me because that confidence up front, like you said, that opens everything. I mean, yeah. scheme is so dependent on how the offensive line plays. It's not a cliche. It's not. It's not like a, oh, you know, we're just going to say this because it's a football thing to say where you got to win up front and control the line of scrimmage. It's a lot more than that. It Controlling the line of scrimmage isn't just about running the ball. It's about allowing you to be creative. And it's about, you know, Dirk Cutter's offense is a vertical offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't get vertical if you got to get rid of the ball in two seconds. No. You know? So that is a big difference this and, year. And to be honest, that was probably the biggest beef I had last year is I think great coaches are are distinguished by their ability to adapt. So if it turns out you come in with your vertical scheme and your offensive line falls apart for whatever reason, it can mm-hmm. be injury, it can be lack of chemistry. Mm-hmm. For us, it was a couple of things last year with Sweezy and a couple of other things that were going on, yeah, rotating the other guard. I mean, by the way, he's still terrible in Seattle. I watched him the other night. I mean, it, you can't It's have, a shame what happened to him after those injuries because he you, was a monster before. You cannot. He, and he was a bulldozer, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And you cannot have back surgery as a 300-pound man after you're 26, 27 years old and think you're going to be okay. No. You just can't do it. No, uh, and so when you look at those differences, like you said, and, and one of the things I think that Coach Munkin is going to – and I said this on the podcast last week. I said it a little bit after the Saints game because a lot of fans out there and, – and I had my little note about whiny Buck fans because it always pisses me off. Here's a team that no one gave a snowball's chance in hell of winning two out of the first three, mm-hmm. right? They go in there, 
And yes, you can say, oh, they almost gave it up against New Orleans. They almost Who gave it against cares? New Orleans. Listen, they stopped a mud hole in both those asses, and then they rode it out. Right, so could it be better? What yes. a phrase there! Absolutely, what a phrase there. <laughs> well, sorry, it's Polk County came out, but uh, the the interesting piece to this is, um, people are like, well, we have to develop a running game. As long as we're scoring more points than the other team, we don't have to do shit. Right now, Coach right. Munkin, when we go to try and run, goes big. He collapses, and, and I see my man Chris is in the chat room. Normally, Leadership South, we talked about this all the time. This offense currently—that's mm-hmm. not to say in perpetuity. Mm-hmm currently does not run well out of traditional sets. No. It just doesn't. And I'm okay with that, so, so don't do that. So here's the thing, though. They went into the season, I, I cannot tell you how many times they ran play action against the Saints mm-hmm. without even establishing the run. Absolutely. And the reason why they did that and it worked is because I think they were they were pretty predictable last year in a lot of the situations. Absolutely. That they had. And so I think Munkin took that into the game and said almost, almost like – I don't even have to establish a run yet because they already think that we're going to run. Right. So the run game's a little bit of a it's a little bit of an up in the air mystery right now because I really think yes in these next two games but especially after the bye week then you've got 4 weeks of tape on a team. Right. The season comes in phases. You've got to be able to adapt almost four different times in a regular season. Listen, you sound like Gruden. So, you sound like baby Gruden over there. We got four quarters of the season. Yeah, I tell you what, man. <laughs> it's hard, hard to find this a good Khalil. pass rusher. <laughs> Khalil, Khalil Mack. Mack, man. I tell you. <laughs> so, any, anyways. But you've got to be, you know, Munkin, hats off to him. He is so far past the kind of first part of what he's been able to do. It's only going to get harder from here because the more tape that you have and the more tape that you put out, the more easy it is to discover tendencies that you might have. And he's got to be able to take his tendencies from week to week and from almost phase to phase in the season. And I think that some ports in the season, you might see him run more. And other times, you might see him run less. But as long as you think that you have the players in place to be able to execute the, the overall scheme that you want to, that you want to do— you can switch it up a little bit. You can you can run more sometimes, pass more other times. As long as you, they say week to week, and it's such a cliche, but it kind of is. You'll attack different teams in different ways, and sometimes it's going to look like you're running the ball a ton, and other times it's not. It's and and I think that's well articulated. You take what that defense gives you. You determine whether you try and dictate to the defense All or the whether time. you want to counterpunch. Let me tell you, in Seattle, I, sorry I cut you off. No, there, that's fine. But man, you're good. Against the Saints, they ran single high. They they ran single high, either cover one or cover three, so many times yep. in the first three quarters. Yep. And Todd Munkin just went, you're going to put us one-on-one? We're going to okay, throw. Okay, guess what? We're going to throw, and we're going to win. And they did. They, they they outscored the Saints at their own game. And what did the Eagles do this week? Very first play. What did the Eagles do? Rotated they, down. They looked at <laughs> – I said this in the press box. The Eagles went into the Bucks game. They looked at the Saints film and went – Nah, we're gonna still do that. Yeah. First play, seventy-five yard touchdown. Okay, what are you doing? What like what did what did you not learn, dude? This this is the thing. In you the got st- Jalen Mills on the outside against Deshaun Jackson. Good what are you Christ. thinking? We're in the stadium. Chris Taylor and I are sitting in the stadium next to each other. Uh, in I guess third quarter, Deshaun Jackson split out left. Uh, they go uh, cover one press. Mm-hmm. And oh, they, that's a beautiful. And, and, beautiful and, and he's inside the hash. Inside the hash. No chance. And I'm, and I'm no screaming, chance. get across his face, get across his face. He comes and he he looks at Fitz. He's like giving a hot read. He gets across him, goes nine, and it's it's 40 yards down the field. This is the stuff that I – that they ran that same kind of stuff. So, like, 
Deshaun's longest play last year. It was that that it was that little. It was um, a slant. It was a, it was a yeah. It was a slant. I don't, yeah, it was I a slant from the left side to the in the Patriots yeah, game. Yeah. Why didn't they run that more? Dude, listen. I I, I don't. My counselor easy, bills. Easy. My counselor bills are not sufficient. <laughs> I don't have enough insurance to handle that. And and so what's going to be funny is. We're going to see that. Now, I thought it would be against the Eagles because when the Eagles played the, the Falcons, they played cover two. Mm-hmm. They played off. They were 10, 12 yards back off those receivers. They were afraid of Julio Jones. They were afraid of Sanu. They were afraid of these right, guys. Right, And they still got the ball thrown all the field over. So they come out against us, and they're like, oh, well, fuck that. We're going to go ahead and go uh, press. Right. Bad decision. Right. So I'm watching the Steelers tape this week. You know what I see? Press. I see press. And, and I see and they're press. not good at it. They're really, really they're fucking bad at it. it. They're not the good at it. The entire back umbrella is bad on the Steelers. They have, they have uh, Terrell Edmonds playing in a like a single high set, and mm-hmm. Terrell Edmonds literally wasn't even that guy at Virginia Tech. They overdrafted the crap out of him to be a single high guy that he's never been, and well, they're starting him now. I uh, I was astonished. And it's not that I don't think Patrick Mahomes is a, a stud because he's, he's throwing darts out there. Like It wasn't like he was throwing bad passes. They were getting yeah. away with a bunch of shit. Right. And, and, and they've got speed. Right, they've got fast receivers out there who are making the catches. They're doing the job. Right, but this wasn't about out athleting people. This was exactly what we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick do two weeks in a row mm-hmm. against the Saints and the Eagles. Yep, and that Eagles front four is far superior to what the Steelers are trotting out there between yep. three and five. The only worry, the only worry, is that it's that it's that they do play that three four, mm-hmm. and it's the first time they'll have seen the three four. So in your head, maybe you could say they might give them a little fits here and there, uh-huh. but I mean, in the, if we're talking secondary, yeah, it's the same. Th- I mean, they're well, they and, can't do it. And if Munkin comes out in four wides, forces declaration, don't bunch people into do? the line. What are you going to do? Come on, come on, brother. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, and OJ Howard. Who are you going to cover? You can't. That on paper, it's so difficult to do. And this gets a little bit worse with And I know. And to the guys out there listening, the girls out there listening, you're probably going, "Okay, everyone hit the brakes. This is a Bucks team. No one expects anything out of." Mm-hmm. Uh, to sit here and pound your chest about how they're going to go beat the shit out of the Steelers and go to three and zero is a little bit arrogant, a little over the top. I, I get that. Now, neither Trevor nor I have said that, but we are talking about what it will take the Steelers to beat the team they've got to play. It's not just the Bucks playing the Steelers. Like, this isn't we get to go to mom's house and maybe have a chance to play. This is, they're coming to our house, and they've got to beat us. Mm-hmm. They have gone and rung up a tie and had an L Should have lost. Right. Should have lost. So this the is Browns a team. The Browns could kick a damn field goal. They would have lost. Th- they're damn near four steps from Vontae Davis' world with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio yeah. Bryan. Just being yeah. like, or Antonio Brown saying, ah, fuck it, I'm not going to play anymore. Right. So now they've got talent in the skill positions. And listen, Ben Roethlisberger, like him, hate him, doesn't matter. This guy is a freak. He liked Drew Brees, but in different ways. Drew Brees saved three sacks against the Saints. Because people can be mad about the defense yeah. not getting pressure, but there were three yeah. sacks that Drew Brees, because he's smart, mm-hmm. gets out of and throws the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. The thing about Ben Roethlisberger that's different and more dangerous in some ways than Drew Brees is Ben Roethlisberger can throw the ball 60 yards falling back, yeah. maybe with his left hand. Yep. So you hit him, you're hanging off of one arm, and he's going to throw it with the other. You have got to, if you get home, whether it's JPP or Gerald McCoy or whoever the hell happens to get through there, if they allow Spence to play again, you just don't know. Um, Probably not. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, you've got to get in there, and you've got to get his ass down. I think what's going to be really interesting about the, that matchup, um, and you brought up Antonio Brown there, is is what, because a lot of people, I've read what a lot of people are saying, like, oh, they're going to need Brent Grimes against Antonio Brown. But here's the thing. If Grimes is going to play on the outside like he traditionally does, just at that left cornerback position, the Steelers aren't going to put Antonio Brown up against him. They're right. just going to move him. They're going to move right? him. But I will say this. 
along with the creativity on the offensive side of the ball, last week, you know, so normally, I said this on the podcast, I'm going to try to make this a visual here. When you're looking at the defense, let's say that there's two wide receivers on one side of the field. They're an 11 personnel, okay? okay? Normally, what the Bucks do is they play a split field thing. So the corner that's on the other side will just rotate, rotate. down to the line of scrimmage and either a safety or the linebacker, or maybe they're in nickel, but one of them will rotate to the second wide receiver on the other side. Yep. But last week, I actually saw them do true man coverage a couple of times where like Carlton fully Chased rotated over right. and instead they took the linebackers and shifted them down into a true like Sam will Mike. Mike formation. So, I mean, if they're open to do that, then perhaps maybe we will see Antonio Brown and Brent Grimes a lot more than I think. But I, that was just a little wrinkle that I noticed last week in the ways that they might be trying to get a little bit more creative because I did not see that at all whatsoever last year. No, they it, would not get out of their scheme. And what's interesting about that is they're doing this with three or four rookies which in the tough. secondary, which is, tough. which is really hard. Now, you know, with Grimes coming, it looks like Grimes is going to come back this week. He yeah. says the, the groin's okay. Yeah. He'll be able to play. And, of course, this is now started the cacophony of, oh, yeah, well, he's washed up. Good and, word. And, and, you're welcome. Good word. Um, it, it's amazing that at the beginning of the year, no one would have out, even doubted. Who's your number one cornerback? It's Brent. It's Brent. Right. Who's your number two? It's it's Brent. Right. <laughs> Who's your number three? <laughs> VH3 people would start arguing. <laughs> Ryan Smith wouldn't have been on the discussion. And last week, listen, no. I, the my sword uh, of the game, while you could have given it to Fitzpatrick, you could have given it to Deshaun, Mike Evans, you have to take it away from him because of the drop and the fumble. Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith played his ass off. Mm -hmm. He played his ass off on defense. He played his ass off on special teams. I think he actually got water for the team as well. And he may have built Bunks Beach before the game. <laughs> it is unreal what this son of a bitch did. Listen, man. I said this last year. They're playing Ryan Smith in the worst way possible to make him successful, okay? They're playing off coverage, and when you play off coverage, how do you succeed in off coverage, right? Okay, you're playing a, you're playing a zone. You're probably playing a cover three, and the way that you succeed when you play cover three is you watch corners. They're in off coverage. They're looking at the quarterback. They're not even looking at the wide receiver most of the time. They're shuffling back. They're looking at the quarterback's eyes. So to be at your best at off coverage, you've got to have – years of experience and anticipation to be able to succeed in such a role. Ryan Smith has gone from corner as a rookie, which he was bad at because he was drafted low, to then they switched him to safety, and then they moved him back to corner last year. So experience does not exist for Ryan Smith. And instead, they just hauled him out there to play off coverage against Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen against Minnesota. Great. And, like, there is no reason why. Now, later in the season— they let him play press a little bit. And I'm like, okay, see, now he can get into people. He can use his speed actually to his advantage. You're not asking him to think as much. You're just allowing Ryan Smith to be the athlete that he is, which is the whole reason why you drafted him. So them playing them up a little bit more, especially against the Eagles, especially mm -hmm. against guys like Shelton Gibson, Mike Wallace before he got hurt, Ryan Smith could actually cover a little bit. And they're actually playing. They they said so many times last year, well, we got to play to our players' strengths, and they didn't do it. And then they avoided them. This year, they're doing it a little bit better. Ryan it's, Smith was a good example, and he had a great game because of it. And Pinnacle in the chat room, you're right. You've been banging the Ryan Smith drum for quite some time. There's no doubt about that. A question that came in the chat room was— He's been saying Ryan Smith is good? Yeah. I, he's saying that he should be, right? And, and the fact that he's not is not his fault. He's not as bad as they were putting him in the position yeah. to last year. I will admit that. 
yeah. don't know how good he can be, but he wasn't as bad as, as they hung him out to dry last year. Real Bucks talk in the chat room says, do we think that the Saints and Eagles played press coverage because they didn't respect Fitzpatrick or just because the Bucks ran the ball heavy in the first quarter last season? Probably co- it's probably a combination of both, right? Yeah, I mean... Saints, I, for sure, was more running because they fell for play action so many times, they just kept running it. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of times what, what has happened is, and we got mad about this the year before and the year before and the year before... Um, our coaching staff looks like they watched film and decided they were going to be tricky. They were going to actually game plan. And for the first time in like six years, we go in at halftime and third quarters are not a quarter of misery for us. Right? Imagine. The defense comes out, usually gets two out of three, three out of four stops, even though people, the much maligned Bucks defense, I can't believe they give up 400-something yards, give up 10,000 yards. I don't give a shit. Give up as many yards as you want. As long as the scoreboard shows more for us than for them, I don't care, right? I know other people do. I know there may be contract escalators that impacted by this. <laughs> They're not my contracts, right? <laughs> but the difference is when you are able to, like, I think this game was two out of three stops mm-hmm. in the third quarter, and we converted on 50% with a, a touchdown, and then uh, we ended up having, I think, a turnover on downs or a, a punt. And on the other one that we got stalled on a third and 10 because of a penalty, we go to Jacquez and he just can't convert it. Um, and I'm glad I brought that up. At that point in the third quarter, and this happened against the Saints, when the Buccaneers had the lead and they took their foot off the gas a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Both of these games, well, the first game, it, when we did this, we faced a third and two, something like third and short. Sure. And they go uh, nine to Godwin. Godwin gets tangled up, falls down, incomplete. We have to punt. For the rest of the game, we're playing conservative. We're you know full flow is that left, the one full flow. He just overthrew him, and it would have been well, a touchdown. Well, he overthrew is that the Saints him. Game? Is yeah, that it was Saints game. Yeah, he overthrew okay. him, but he didn't really overthrow him. He got he tied got up tangled. with the cornerback. Yeah, yeah, right? Okay. I don't think it was a bad throw per se. Um, it was the right call, and this is something yeah. I think Coach Munkin has to just embrace and say, "Listen, we're going to live by the sword. We're going to die by the sword." You know, when Steph Curry misses ten threes, you know what he starts doing? Shooting he threes. shoots more fucking. Threes. He shoots more threes. God, this is a good podcast. And, and so when when we see this against the Eagles, you come out and do the same thing. Every time you show me this, you show me single coverage with Mike Evans, yeah. or you show me single coverage with Deshaun, any of them. I don't have to even name them. Fuck Adam Humphreys. Yeah. Try and chase him across the field. Right, right. And that's the, that was something that I argued last year as well, and that was actually a big point that I tried to make after that week in New Orleans is that you saw, I think when people ask me, hey, what's the biggest difference? And I would have said the biggest difference is that on third and five or on third and three, they weren't afraid to throw a 15-yard pass because, right. because that was the best matchup. Right. And that happened twice with O.J. Howard, and guess what? He's uncoverable. So they got it both times. He you is know what an I'm absolute so beast. When you've got, the thing is is that, yes, yes, you obviously need first downs to win the game, but touchdowns are what are more important. And you get touchdowns by looking at a play, a line in the pre-snap, and going, where is my best chance yep. to get the ball down the field the most? do it because the only the only way to keep a lead is to expand the lead that's it that's if you ask me because like you said if you take the foot off the gas you'll lose it you'll lose it and you'll lose it quick and and maybe this team will develop into a closer right because there have been bucks teams in the past that would bring in the all-stats of the world who i didn't listen i'm not the guy who thinks all stop walked on water but he was great at closing out a game sure um there was always a game where he would have a fumble and you'd, you'd pull your hair out. But generally speaking, he would grind a damn game out for sure. Mm-hmm. This team isn't that yet. And and that's not to say in the third quarter of the season in Gruden's that 
that he can't become that, that this team can't become that. Because I think Peyton Barber is certainly going to be an effective runner of the ball. He is an effective runner of the ball. I don't care if he was 1.4 yards a carry last week. I don't care about yards per carry. That's oh, not I, the yeah. big stat. Right. Right. right right, now, Peyton Barber, Jacquez Rogers are picking up blitzes at a fra- at just a ridiculous pace. Yep. If Fitzpatrick's not buying these guys toys, cars, uh, I don't care what chocolate they want. Chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. Yeah, it's clear. Chocolate milk for everybody. True moo all around. <laughs> um, it's fantastic. Yeah. Right? Nope. I'm um, with you. I looked at so – we, so we do our most impressive, most disappointing after every game. Uh-huh. And somebody was like – or I think Mark was like, do we put Peyton Barber on here? He had 1.5 yards carry or something or whatever yeah, it was. And I said, no, you can't. Because the times that he got the ball in a couple of opportune moments, he converted, and he picked up the blitz. I don't I, like. Oh, he was going to put him on his most disappointing. Just because, Come you, on, just because cookie. you can look at the stats and you can say you can say like, oh, he didn't have the rushing numbers you you wanted him to have. But this in this offense, I can already tell that it is it is a case by case opportunity uh, way that you go the way that you grade these running backs every week. You have to, you know, you have to. It, if he picks up the one crucial. Five-yard gain he needed for a first down, don't care. That's don't it. Care. That's all he needed. Well, when you have that many playmakers, and this was what the Eagles tried to do ages ago when they built the dream team with Mike Vick and all those guys, mm-hmm. and we see it in basketball more uh, more clearly articulated, right? Mm-hmm. Every game there's going to be an opportunity for one of those playmakers to excel. Mm-hmm. One week is going to be Deshaun. Then one week the, the team is you know what, damn it, we're not letting Deshaun get in the end zone. Great. We're going to go to Mike. All right. Last week, we thought we'd have a chance for the tight ends to get in the game, whether it's going to be O.J. or Brait. Didn't know it turned out to be O.J. This week, I think we have another opportunity because they were throwing the ball all over the place to Kelsey, uh, Kansas City was, because yeah. those linebackers get shitty depth. Yeah, they when they go into their they Tampa 2 that Tomlin's got, he's got a Tampa 2 in that book. Right. You know, they, roll, they run it out of that 3-4 uh, adjust. Mm-hmm. Those linebackers can't get deep. Nope. I'll take O.J. Kelsey's a hell of a tight end. Don't get me wrong. Right. Right. O.J. Howard's a hell of a tight end. That catch right. radius is ridiculous. Right. And he is on fire right now. So... Uh, it doesn't matter who steps up. And I honestly think, and I want to transition this a little bit into a conversation that's going to be a little bit uh, uncomfortable, I think, in some regards, because there is a team feel here. And seemingly fans like it to not be this. Fans like it to be one or the other. Like this week was all about, well, why why isn't Cam Brayton in the ball? What, why do we give Cam Brayton that big contract? Mm-hmm. Why don't we move Cam Brayton? Sure. And then it was, well, now we got to talk about Jameis Winston, which if the Bucks had done what I said to begin with and just said from the beginning, we're not going to see Jameis until after the bye. We're going to evaluate the quarterback position at the bye. Right? We're not going to even entertain the conversation. If they'd mm-hmm. said that before the season, any time a reporter brought up the question that they have to bring up, it is their job to do so, he could just reference what I said in, in training camp. Guys, we know he's suspended for three games. We're not going to bring him back on two days of practice. We will talk about this during the bye. We mm-hmm. will evaluate it. Mm-hmm. End of discussion. Right? So... When it comes down to these sorts of things and individual stats, the team doesn't seem to care. Now, you're around the team all the time. Donovan Smith today, when he was asked, I think it was Roy who asked the question, you know, are, are you surprised by the Bucks start? And he's it like, w- are you? It wasn't Roy, but yeah. It wasn't Roy. I thought right. it was Roy. I'm sorry. I couldn't tell by the voice. So whoever asked the question, yeah. are, are you? Right? There's clearly a, a, an us against the world mentality. Very much. Very much. And they're matching their coach's crotchety demeanor in some regards. Which some I'm not, of them are. Some, some of them are. are. Yes. Yeah. But, but then you've got Fitzpatrick coming out as Conor McGregor and Deshaun Jackson standing there with no shirt on. This is fun. What's it like for you in one buck place to cover this team and see this kind of a difference? Yeah. No, I mean, so obviously um, I'm a journalist. I'm not, I'm not rooting for anybody here. But, like, I'll just say that it is so much – it is so much better to cover smiles and sadness. And yeah. I have watched this team, even before I covered it, just the sadness of this team. The, I mean, even last year in the locker room, it was miserable. Yeah. The locker room last year was miserable. It was 
us going to, you know, none of the players ever wanted to talk. <laughs> Gerald had to because obviously he's Gerald. Face and, of the franchise. You know, right, he has to talk. Nobody else ever really wanted to talk. Mike would a little bit because he's a nice guy, and every time we'd go up to him, Mike would just be like, well, you just got to do what we got to do to get a win. Like, And that's it, and that's all you're saying. You could just tell the dejection in his voice. This year it's so much different. I mean, obviously, you ha- you see them having fun, like stuff at the podium, and Mike was telling us today that uh, that was actually Fitzpatrick's idea. He went up to Deshaun's locker, and he's like, let me wear this. Hey, let me wear this to the podium. And Deshaun was like, all right, cool, you can do that. Like, this would be dope. That's fantastic. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, it's a lot of this little stuff where, you know, it, this team-first mentality, it is, when it is genuine, it is so much more than just plays on a football field. Like, oh, we'll spread the ball around, blah, blah, blah. When it is genuine, it, that they are a team-first, that they all believe in each other, that everything... You can see it. I mean, we asked Cam Bray point blank today. Hey, you and Adam don't have any production the first two games. I mean, you signed a big contract this offseason. Um, Adam could be getting ready to. Y'all were f- focal points for the last two years of this offense. And now you guys are you aren't you aren't pr- producing. Like, what's up? And Cam like threw a smile. Was saying like, look, I mean, like we're ju- we're working hard. Like we're gonna be ready when our numbers call. But like we're winning. It's fun. That's that's the magic, right? It's and that's fun. what we just were talking about. When their number's called, they produce. Yeah. Right? When OJ, number, when OJ Howard's number was called, he produced. Now, he had the one fumble, comes back, and does something that, and, you know, Chris and I were talking in the stands. There aren't many tight ends in the league that can take a, a drag 75 yards. Yeah. It just it just doesn't happen. Yep. That's that's freakish. Yep. Right? By the way, real quick, they ran that that sneak tight end play that they did against the Giants, right? That got huh? OJ's first touchdown. Yeah. They they ran it against the Eagles, huh? and the Eagles triple covered. They triple it. covered it, and then Mike opened. <laughs> so I'm so hard. At that. Fish Fish and I in the so, podcast before yeah. predicted that play because yeah. the oh. Eagles the Eagles over over pursue. You have to run it, but yeah, but they watched it, and it was the one time where I saw Fitz not adjust. Now I didn't go back and watch the coach's film from uh, the end zone to see if he could see Mike because from my seats. I could see Mike coming open. Mm-hmm. He could have, he could have, you know, volleyball popped the ball down the field, and Mike could have caught it and run to. We couldn't run to Mons. He could have run to Jesuit, which is quite a, a change in venue uh, for Mons. But you get the point. <laughs> Maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't get. Right. To, I didn't go to Jesuit. So any people that went to Jesuit, let us know. Uh, Orange Buck is in the chat room telling stories about you from college. Yeah. Apparently, you were a hell of a beer pong player. This is uh, very very... Com- very committed to winning as well. So if you're not in the Mixler chat room, there's some good stuff going on. <laughs> Uh, that's over. my buddy, that's my buddy Mark. We went to school, and he has been a he has been a fan of yours for forever. He was the one that tweeted at you and said like I have been uh, <laughs> looking forward to this for forever. So well, I've been trying to get Trevor in here for a while. He's a very popular gentleman. For those of you who don't know who he's here, Trevor Sikama. Is that the correct pronunciation? Sikama. Yep. Look at that, it. like Hikama. Yep. Like, great. I played hockey growing up, and the coolest thing was when they announced your name. You know, when when you when you went onto the ice and you were in the starting lineup, and every single time butchered it. Butchered it hard. You're talking to a kid that went to Lena. Sikima, something. I'm like, come on, brother. Lena Vista Elementary in Auburndale slash Lakeland, Florida. I was Derek Foreigner. Foreigner? Foreigner. I was Foreigner uh, all the way through probably eighth grade. So I totally get what you're saying. Well, was the band popular at that time? I don't even know. I'm uh, terrible with ages. The, the, well, I'm old. The band was mildly popular at oh, the time. Oh, there you go. So yeah, there you go. Foreigner and you. Journey were rocking it. Ario Speedwagon was yes. on the tail end of... Yes. Uh, of making magic happen for a young 17-year-old angsty gentleman. Uh, <laughs> so this week against the Steelers again, um, and there's an again for Mark Cook, by the way, a little tip of the cap to Mark Cook saying again for reasons that we don't understand, uh, the right tackle for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And I think Real Bucks Talker Stephen Che put this out there. Um, my man doesn't have a strong base. 
and that bodes well for this Buck defense with Vinnie Curry and Jeremy McCoy over there. They ran a tech stunt this week that successfully got uh, a sack, um, and I think they're getting better and better at that sort of technique. Vinnie mm-hmm. Curry runs this very well, something the Bucks defensive line has not done well mm-hmm. historically. Uh, and I don't know if that's a byproduct of Coach Buckner, um, but I have flashbacks to uh, Blue Chips, one of the greatest movies ever made. It's not true. It was terrible. Um, but when Nick Nolte is talking about telling Butch how he's got to come off the screen, yeah. pass hip to hip, when you talk about a tech stunt, that's what you're talking about. Right. You, you've yeah, got to yeah, get yeah. your inside guy to yeah. drive through two, and then your your tackle has to come through quick. Yep, yep. And if you do it right, you'll have a wide-open lane. The, wide. only, the only person stopping you is a running back. That's it. Yeah, you, you'll run straight through the quarterback, which is great. Right. Um, I, I happen to think, based on what I saw on film, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this with the Steelers, this is the game. Now, we got three sacks last week, I think. Um this could be one of those games where this defensive line or this defensive front seven, let's call it, posts some, some pretty good sack numbers. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers' offensive line is definitely not what it used to be. And if the Steelers' offensive tackle, I haven't gone to look at any any film of the Steelers yet, but, I mean, if it, for example, if he struggles with base, then not only does that work for a player like Vinnie Curry, who uses strength to his advantage, but also low-key... Carl Nassib. I mean, there were a couple plays last week Look where... you go with a low-key Carl Nassib move. He, I like it. Because here's the thing. I did a film review of Carl Nassib when he came over from the Buccaneers. That was such a steal. Carl, so I can't believe someone has been arrested for that. Carl Nassib, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> Carl Nassib is limited. But when you put him in the right places to succeed, he can do it. So what you do with Carl Nassib is you'll put him out at a wide nine. So instead of being... <sighs> Instead of being right outside the tackle shoulders, yeah, he's two gaps over. Right, he's he's half one and a half, two gaps over. However, you want to do yeah. it, but that allows him to take a straight line, mm-hmm. right? So he doesn't have to bend because Carl Nassib can't bend. Bend is tough. Bend's like bend is a rare trait. So when you put guys in positions where they don't have to bend, if they're still hella strong, which he is, he's also he, long. Then he can be effective. So he, Carl Nassib is long, strong. And he's got a hell of a motor. Is he down to get the friction on though? I mean, ladies. I, you know, Ladies. you know, I, listen, I, was, I don't mean to go, I, gonna, <laughs> I don't mean to go West Seattle on y'all and pull some mix, mix a lot out here, but he when you win, around. he's long, he's strong. <laughs> How does no one else pick that up? You guys are all clowns in the chat room. Come on, get off your hands. <laughs> so I saw a couple of times last week where he puts his hands up, he'll get you off balance and then he will just push you straight back into yeah. the quarterback. And so that is the thing, you know, if, if we're talking about the right tackle and if one of the things that he doesn't do is he gets base real well then not only is that good for Benny Curry, but the second you sub Benny Curry out, you might not have a drop in production. And then all of a sudden, that right tackle ain't getting relief. No. Now you're talking about sacks. Because then you're talking about third quarter, fourth quarter, this dude's beat the shit, and he's tired of it. Yeah. And it's, so, that, you know, you I think, but not only right tackle, I think the line in general is going to have a, a lot of opportunities to, to succeed. It will be interesting to see, and maybe this is the game, and, and I definitely want to be careful because I think someone said early this could be a trap game because the Steelers haven't put up good tape. You could say that every damn week in the yeah, NFL. True, but we know that the Bears are not a trap game. We, we're going to go into the. But why is the Steelers game a trap game? Because the Steelers historically have been a strong program, right? Mike Tomlin, I'm afraid of Mike Tomlin right now, and he doesn't even know where I live. And I'm afraid that Mike Tomlin's going to hear something I say and then come kick my ass. All of the players said this, okay? All of the players said, when we asked them about the Steelers, the first thing that they said is history. I don't give a damn about history. Who cares? They should have lost to the Browns and they played an embarrassing game last week too. Who cares? They're 0-2. They're one dramatic, they're one dramatic episode from Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger retiring, and Tom, Mike Tomlin hitting the road. That's the Steelers today. I, I hear you. That's the Steelers today. I totally hear you. But it's still, when I watched the, the game against Kansas City, Kansas City's up 17,000 to zero. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> like then 
Ben Roethlisberger wakes up yeah. and just starts throwing touchdowns. He's pulling random jackasses out of the stands with beers in their hands and throwing touchdowns to them. He ran for a fucking I saw touchdown. That. I saw that. I didn't know Ben Roethlisberger Benny, could still run. Benny and the Jets over here. <laughs> See, Put on the flyers, you know? <laughs> so it is astonishing that they can still get it done at times. And listen, Antonio Bryant... Or I'm not Tony, Brown. Tony Brown. I keep calling him Tony Brown. I fucked them terrible names. I, I'm going to call everyone the wrong Jensen forever. Um, and uh, Juju. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, yeah, he the, good. These guys are he not good. bad. And, no, he, they're uh, good. And random tight end, 81, who's built like a, a low-rent version of O.J. Howard. And mm-hmm. my man's got some wheels and he's got hands. Ben's going to throw the ball. Now, what I saw Kansas City do was, and Steve White somewhere, like he was, his temples were going to explode. Kansas City, despite having a really good front seven, would rush two, would rush three, and let Ben sit back there and throw the ball. You can't do that. This Buccaneer team does not get to do that, right? You can't let Ben have that much time. He will find a way to throw the ball through someone's chest into someone else's hands. Yeah. If you're rushing in the NFL, you give up. Yeah. Uh, the Big 12 is my least favorite brand of football because that's all they do. They just <laughs> rush three. And I'm like, this isn't real football. This is not. I call the, I call the, big, the big 12 fake football all the time. At, like to its face, I don't care how many points you score. Man. You play, you play fake football if you if you rush three down linemen on a regular basis. Trevor's getting fired up over here. He's Sorry. gonna call it to their face. I Sorry. like it. Listen, I think the Pack seventy three or whatever is pretty shitty football. <laughs> that's that's the second worst brand of football. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's flag football with helmets on. It's just not even real. Brands of football: SEC, ACC. They're right up there. Big Ten's in the middle, and then like down here we got Pack twelve, Big twelve. <laughs> And then uh, UCF beating those guys. So, like, they're somewhere in the middle. Listen, don't wake UCF up. Sorry. Because if they hear you talking, they're going to come beat someone's ass just randomly. Because that's what UCF does. National champions. National champions. <laughs> recognized, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, on offense, what do you think the Bucks have to do this week on offense to win this game? Other than score lots of points, which we've already covered at nauseum. Yeah. I mean, Fitz has still got to be accurate throwing the ball. And I think the wide receivers admitted that today when we talked to a handful of them at practice um, or before practice, they said, look, we're, we're running good plays, but, I mean, we were running good plays last year. The difference is Fitz is, Fitz is throwing it perfect. I mean, he's hitting dudes in stride. Yeah. Um, and even when he can't hit dudes in stride, for example, you know, Deshaun's really fast. Fitzpatrick, his arm's all right, but it's not maybe what it used to be. When he throws the ball, he gives him a chance to do it. Like Humphreys talked about that today, actually. He said, um, even when Deshaun runs a deep route, Fitzpatrick's getting that ball out of his hand quick so Deshaun can run under it wherever it is. And Gives he'll, him time to adjust. He'll, he'll throw it to an open area and he'll let Deshaun go up and get under it. And that's what he'll do. He won't try to highlight throw, rope it in right on time because it's really difficult to do. So I think Fitzpatrick, and he talked about this after one of his games, he's like, look, I might ha- not have the arm that I used to, but he he said, I can say with confidence that I'm, I'm better at playing quarterback than I ever have been yeah. because I know what to do. And I think... As long as Fitzpatrick is accurate, you know, we talked about the weapons, we talked about the mismatch, they're going to be there. The points are going to be there, but it's it, for he's got to continue to hit at a regular basis. He doesn't have to score 48, but he's got to be able to hit a lot of these guys. Listen, and give him a chance above If he can else. go out there and and put up a 140 or better QB rating. With oh, it's the over. Actually, the points are going to come. Oh, the points God, are going to happen. Yeah. And and when you look at some of these throws and and you know, we'll have to touch on this to, to some extent, because otherwise we would be shirking our responsibility. Uh, that throw to O.J. Howard on the drag, mm-hmm. that's two inches away from being intercepted. Oh, no question. That's that's a perfect throw. The throw to Deshaun Jackson on the first play of the game, 
wasn't a perfect throw, but it was a smart throw because he saw the coverage rotation. He, he knew that there was no risk to underthrow to the bottom side. Yep. Deshaun could run under, and then you let your playmaker be in space with anybody. He just great, threw it, right? He just threw it to grass, right? And, and right. He, throw it he open, ran right to it. Um, now, let's stay with the Steelers thing, and then we'll we'll have a segment here where we'll talk about the other discussions. Uh, Doug wants to know what time the tailgate starts on Monday. We don't have the itinerary out, uh, Shawnee. I don't think it starts at. Maybe it does start at four. You're probably right. Four a.m. Yeah, yeah, get there. No, the, the game's at 8. We usually close an hour before the game, so 7. We have a three-hour tailgate, so 4, I think, is right. I think Shawnee's on target over in the chat room. Thank you, Shawnee. We'll put out that itinerary, I suspect, tomorrow with the updates on that. Um, Rest of the things on offense. He's mm-hmm. got to be accurate, certainly. The line, I think, has to continue to do what it's been doing. For sure. And it... Ben and Ock, like if I was going to give a skull and sword, and we usually give the skulls and swords. I don't know if you're familiar with this concept. It's like your most in, most disappointing, most whatever the hell you guys do. Good Impressive. and bad. Okay. Yeah, so we do the bonehead of the game, which sure. is the skull, and then the sword is the okay. winner. Yeah, we yeah, we yeah. tried to stay thematically yeah, on yeah. topic. So um, Caleb Ben had his worst game that I've seen him play oh, last he, week. Fletcher Cox legally adopted him on the field oh, to Jesus be his Christ. son. Yeah. Um, now, I am, and Chris as well, Fish, uh, we hate rotational guards. We think it's stupid. We have been very clear about that. That said, Beninok was not at his best last week. He mm-hmm. did have some plays where he came back. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts about best and worst last week? I haven't read the articles. I know you Who? guys put the best and worst. Oh, um, like players on offense? Offense or defense. Pick one, only one. There can be only one Highlander style. <laughs> Let me try to think. Um, I mean, the worst, yeah, I mean, it'd probably be Beninok just because he got he got whooped a bunch up front. Um, he wasn't doing great. It's, it's hard for me to... It's hard. I'm trying to think around the offense at all. Anybody who else who had like a disappointing game that I could even say, um, I can't really think of anybody. So I, I guess it would be Beninok, and then somebody who had the best game. I mean, I might say Ryan Smith just because it was yep. I, I, just because it was so needed for them. Like I'm trying to think in my head. Yeah, I mean, like I could say Justin Evans because he made a bunch of good plays. I could say Jason Pierre-Paul because they got a big sack. Um, I could say Quan because he showed up big at home, but like those are all players that expect. Well, to be Levante good, David you know owned the, the last four possessions. That's Levante true. David right, right. showed up and owned but, but the that, last. You know four what I'm possessions. saying? Like, but Ryan I, I Smith, would pick Ryan Smith because him being the X factor there and the good performance he had allowed them to. I, and can you remember a snap where he didn't play well? Right, that's the thing. I, I there might have been one. I didn't go back and ISO on him. Yeah, I didn't ISO on him. Either, but I'll tell but you what. I think his performance. Every meant a time lot. I looked up. This guy was doing something right, right, including getting water cold to the players on the sideline if he had to. So, defensively, what do you see out of our Buccaneers this week? And when I say our, I mean mine because you don't use uh, you know pronouns like that because you're a real journalist, of course. Um, real journalist. Real, well, yeah, the, yeah. you guys pound your chest about that shit, so I, I want to make sure I give proper deference to uh, do all of either. that. I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy with Wi-Fi. Oh, just a guy with Wi-Fi. <laughs> In person, I don't care. Or there something. you go. Yeah, there, you go. The, there it is. You've got my brand down pat. Um, <laughs> I just got a tweet, by the way. Oh, that's what that is? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> you have that hooked up to Twitter? God, this place. Can I rent this room? Can I just like live in this room? You got a whiteboard. You got, except this thing would be going off 24-7. I've got it on my personal Twitter. If I don't know what the buck, it would be going like that. Uh, defensively, let me think here. Obviously, you got to get to Ben. Ben's not a mobile dude. I know he ran for a touchdown, but that's just because they completely blew contained. They completely, Careful. Nah, they completely blew contained. That was a that was a bad end on, on the defense. Um, they've got to be able to get to Ben. I think no question about that. They have to again, man. And, and this is this is tough because I would love to say again you want to play to certain the cornerback strengths here, but if you play up, 
you might be asking for trouble because Antonio Brown might cook you. So I might even be a little bit more laxed this week than any other week because here's why. I don't really trust the Steelers' defense to contain the Buccaneers' offense as much as they need to. And if you don't play full prevent, but if you play smart, you play, hey, we're not going to give up the big play. Hey, we're not going to give up all of this. And you let the pass rush hopefully and the blitz hopefully do what they need to do. I'm thinking you can hold the Steelers to enough points because I think this is going to be a shootout. I do too. But I don't think the I don't think the Steelers defense is going to be able to hold the Buccaneers defense as well as the Bucks might be able to if they adjust a little bit. So Antonio Brown is such a tricky case because he's almost like one of those guys where you say, "All right, Antonio is going to get 100 yards on us. Let's just make sure he doesn't get two touchdowns against." Listen us. to you sound like Tony Dungy in the Randy Moss era. Well, I mean, let let Randy get his 140 and right. two touches, and we're still going to beat him. Right. That's fine. I mean, with this offense, though, especially the way they've been clicking, it kind of makes sense. And so defensively, schematically, it's it's tough because playing to their strengths has the corners playing up a lot more. But if you're doing that, you're not really going to play cover one. You can't have a single high up there. You can't rotate Chris Conti down to play like near the linebacker level because if you do – you're asking Justin Evans to help out both in the slot and on the edges, yeah, and he, he just go he edge. just can't do that. And so I think if you're going to see man coverage, you're going to see a lot more cover two man than what we might have been asking for over the last couple of weeks because they haven't had the options to where you can play single high. I don't think you can play single high against the Steelers. I think you got to play too high. And you, if you're doing well enough there, you might give yourself the opportunity you to can play your guys down. close, yeah. right? So, but I do think it's, I think, I think it's about that. I think it's about slowing Antonio. It Brown will down. be interesting to see if, uh, if the Bucks do that, will this front seven be able to be a gap, uh, gap clean, uh, gap? I don't know Hold right gap verb. integrity. Yeah, there's another. There's a verb there that I want to know. Gap sound, maybe. There's something there. Gap there's a word there. Gap. Yeah, there's a word something. there. Leadership South will come up. With. He's a real coach, uh, because they're going to have to. Right. Yeah. If, if, if I mean, if yeah, the Steelers look let, at that, they can't let Connor start running all over him. No right. question about that. Because Connor's they, not an idiot. He's no, not a he's slouch. Good. Dude, he was the ACC Player of the Year when he was a freshman. This kid's good. My God, what do you play for? North Carolina? No, he played I for mean, Pitt. Okay, but I'm being a smartass because ACC. Yeah, okay. the ACC doesn't matter in football. It only matters in basketball. Just hey, stop it. Hey, that's not true. Clemson's Just, all right. <laughs> Clemson's good. You know, everybody else I don't really care. But you know, I, Clemson's by the way, good. keep the voice down. UCF is right down the street. Oh. All right, so you made a good point about uh, shootout. Um, now, we do a predictive MVP on offense, predictive MVP for the Buccaneers on defense. Who do you think is going to showcase their talents on offense? Who do you think is going to showcase their talent on defense? Um, I'm going to say it's O.J. Howard this week because I don't trust the Steelers linebackers at all. We touched on that a little bit. Uh, I think the middle of the field is going to be a lot more open than it has been before. And I'll tell you this, too. They've been attacking the sidelines a lot with O.J. Howard over the last two weeks, uh, whether it be getting the ball in his hands and he gets to the sideline or having him run little fade routes towards the sideline. I mm-hmm. think you're going to see a little bit more of O.J. Howard just going straight over the middle, knowing that's a weak point in the Steelers' defense. So I'm going to say that O.J. Howard would be the offensive MVP. Defensive MVP, I'm going to say... You know what? I'm going to say Quan Alexander just because I think that it is going to be his job to help stop that run. And if they stop that run, then like I said, they could be a little bit more lax in coverage. They can play a little bit more of the style that they want to, but it all starts with they have to be able to stop the run. And I think Quan Alexander is kind of an X factor of that because we know we're going to get it from Levante David, right? Um, They know they're going to get it from the front four that they probably have. But Quan Alexander, he is such a... Uh, I will say a loose cannon because there are times where yep. Quan Alexander can jump into a gap and hammer Nick Foles and you love it. 
Yeah. But there are other times when he's pursuing Alvin Kamara to the sideline and he just over-pursues the crap out of him. It's an easy juke and it's an easy touchdown. We see both from Quan Alexander. So I think he's got to have just a really sound game and he would be the defensive MVP stopping that run. We've got Callum in the chat room saying Levante David on defense, who I picked last week. OJ for a huge week as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Rick Hughes mentioning that Big Ben is usually going to get hurt every year. At some point, this just feels like the right time for that to occur. Shawnee's, is he predicting somebody getting hurt? He is. Rick okay. Hughes is, is full of bad juju. <clears throat> but then again, Big Ben, uh, I think he's made a ceramic at this point, but it, it could happen on the way of the game for all we know. Uh, Shawnee is concerned about our tackling, and I think that our tackling has come in, in spurts. Um, but I thought that it's tightened up pretty well. It to was be tough honest. against the Saints, but I mean, yeah, I think it's tightened up pretty well, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I have OJ Howard as well on offense, and I have Vinny Curry. Uh, I think that the Steelers right. are going to put ninety three on the board, and they're going to say, "Listen, we get it. This guy's good. Uh, his fans don't understand that. His you know his locals don't get how good he is, but we understand that he's one of the best. You know, one of the premier mm -hmm. tackles in football. Yeah, we would like to not have him uh, hit Big Ben and Vinny Curry." Uh, you know, it's funny. I feel bad. Bo Allen apparently out again today with the foot. I don't expect him to go if he's not today. Yeah, he wasn't even in the locker room. So. Yeah, that's not good. Um, so we got, you know, two-thirds of the acquisitions uh, with Unrein and him not there. And they all look good in training camp, to be honest. Unrein, I don't know when he comes back, man. He, that sucks. Like, he has not even been, like, outside. Like, he hasn't been in the locker room. And, like, he, he since he got hurt. He has not even been like outside on the sideline, which means when that's concussion, that means sunlight hurts you. That means you got a bad concussion. Nah, that's no bueno. Yeah. Um, so I think Curry could could benefit from this uh, situation significantly. Um, True. Now you said about shootout. I, I, you know, it's funny because I made that tweet after a couple of Jamesons, and I got a lot of shit on Twitter about Wait, it. Wait, which one? Oh man, hold on. I should pull it up. Which one? It's pinned to my profile. You got your phone over there. Pull up my profile. Okay. So I made a comment that the Bucks would win at least two or three of the first uh, games. The offense would be top five, and the Bucks will end up with 11 wins. You said this? Yeah, it's pinned to my profile, and I got an immense amount of shit uh, from people. Few early beverages in after a crap day, so not my normal style, but here we go. Bucks win 11, win two of the first three. Winston starts after the bye. Bucks offense is top five. Mark it down. And you have a picture. Of the Jameson. Of the Jameson. <laughs> so, so I think this is a shootout as well. I don't think this defense is prepared to shut people down yet. I think it's a 40-31 no. to 31 victory. I think it's another time where we go out to a lead and then we take the foot off the gas. I don't think that Coach Munkin is ready to commit to being, and this almost hurts where that hole where a soul goes in most people. I have mm -hmm. this cavernous void. Sure. It hurts there when You've I say things like this. I've been in New Orleans too many times. It's, I yeah. left my soul there. Um, someone called it the greatest show on grass. And I don't know that that's bad. And I think someone should probably trademark it if Joe Buck's fan hasn't already done that. So um, <laughs> this offense will put up points. Yeah. And uh, I think they're going to do it again this week. I think the Bucks win again. I think they go to 3-0. and And I think some people have to start wondering about what the hell's going on. I, what's, what's your score prediction? I predicted 38-31 today. So. Nice. 38-31? Yep. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. Let's check the chat room. Steelers play soft zone. Doug, uh, my man Ren thinks that uh, Mike Evans is going to be the guy this week. Tom Mitchell thinks that we win by a field goal. Big cat, cat and zero. Listen, whoever's messing with his snaps or his holds, causing him to every once in a while miss, because it clearly is not his fault, um, needs to get their shit straight because mm -hmm. he will kill somebody. <laughs> not having that. Shawnee says 34 to 20 uh, bucks, which is good. Let's hold, hold them to 20. Okay. Right. I, I don't think that's easy because um, uh, watching that damn Kansas City game, I, I know I made a set of 17,000, but it, it seems what like was, it was 28 what, to nothing at one point. What was the final point. score of that game? I don't even remember. It was like 
38 to 34 or some shit. Was it? Yeah, it was high. Because Kansas City's got a bottom five defense in the NFL. Like, no Which question. Which is weird because they've got talent over there. Like, why can they not put it yeah, together? Yeah, but, like, Justin Houston's old AF. They just traded Marcus Peters. They, like, they have no idea how much Marcus Peters meant to that defense. That's, that's fair. And so, and I can't I'm, believe that that Justin Houston is old now. Defense like D Ford is super hot and cold on that edge. So it's like they have <laughs> an old an old edge guy, a super hot and cold edge guy, and then a six foot eight guy trying to play edge in Tano Passanio. And so it's just like a really weird mix. D Ford is that the same name as the Celtic guy that won the dunk contest from Jacksonville? Yes, that's great. Wait, no, it's D something. No, that's D Brown. D Brown. It was D Brown. A pinnacle would have jumped on us if we fucked that up. Um, uh, Chris Oxidine says there's going to be Carlton Davis pick six. That's one of the things we, that was great to see in the Eagles or in the Saints game. The defense converting, getting getting some points, right? Yeah. You know what was one of my favorite plays in the game? I don't. Tell me. The touchdown in the corner of the end zone by the Eagles. You know why it was one of my favorite plays in the game? Because Carlton Davis was playing his man, and he was going to the sideline, and Carlton Davis was Broke playing, off the coverage. He broke off the coverage beautifully, yeah. and he missed that ball by just a hair. And that would have—if he would have touched that ball, that would have been the play that literally every single person would have written about. Yep. Every single person. Absolutely. And you know what? I love that play because the mentality is already there from him. And seeing that in the second a guy's second game in the league, that was good. Yeah, and we, we talk about this all the time. When you go from having to think about playing— to playing without thinking. Yes. That's that's the magic. You made it. And what's interesting about... I'm not saying about, he's made it. I didn't mean to no, say he's made no, 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 it, but yeah. We have uh, Trevor on audio saying that he's made it. Um, <laughs> Colin Davis, Pro write, Bowl. Write it down, Pro Bowl. Rookie Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but we talk about Quan Alexander jumping through these things. You're going to have to take the good with the bad on those things. Now, yeah. you hope over time, right. as that continues to mature... There's less bad yes. and more good. Sure. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, let's take a small amount of time and talk about the elephant in the room. And no, we're not talking about me. For any of you smart asses in the chat room, we're talking about Jameis Winston when he starts quarterbacking this team again. What are your thoughts about the quarterback position in Tampa? Take me before the bye, when he's available, through the bye, and what is your perspective, sir? Um. So. Oh, where do I start this? Um, I guess at the I'll, beginning. I guess, or I'll, you could start at the end and then do a flashback. Well, I guess and, I'll just I'll just kick it off by this, and maybe I'll I'll continue after that. Um, I don't think you can take Fitzpatrick out as long as his team is above five hundred. Um, I don't care what week it is. I don't think you can do it. And the only way that I would see you taking Fitzpatrick out if they are above five hundred is if they are truly winning in spite of him. However, I don't see this defense being the case of why this team would remain above five hundred. I instead think that. If they are above 500, Ryan Fitzpatrick is then a catalyst for the reason they're above 500. And even if he is going to have hot and cold games, as long as they are above 500, especially with a 2 and 0 start, and super especially after a 3 and 0 start, I don't. It would really. It would. It would have to take an obvious collapse from the quarterback position, in which it would be obvious to make a switch. But in terms of oh, we've got a tough decision to make. I don't think it's that tough. Ryan Fitzpatrick's the starter as long as you're above 500. That's it. If you are winning games enough to be above 500 in this division and the NFC against the schedule that they have, you're going to give yourself a chance to, because the NFC is going to, a lot of them are going to beat each other up. They really are. So 10 and 6 could very well get you into a playoff, and it could get you into a very nice playoff spot. 9 and 7 might even. Who knows? Because of the competition sure. is so close in this division. So I think that you are starting, and, and we had a we had a PR roundtable this week, and the question was, when does Jameis Winston start again? And as I'm kind of looking at the schedule, this is the conclusion that I came to, and, and the, you know, Mark and, and Scott, they, they would say since they'd be like, when the Fitz magic wears off or when the offense bogs down. And my answer was, it was it was when will Jameis Winston come back? And I just said, 
Will he? I don't know. Because if Fitzpatrick continues to play like this, Jameis sits the whole year. Jameis is the future. They're not going to trade him. For everybody who wants him to get traded, he's not getting traded. But if Fitzpatrick is rolling this way, I mean, come on. For Deshaun Jackson to even say, you don't take the ball out of a hot guy's hand after last week, that means a lot to me. Interesting. That, that shows to me how much, and we talked about this earlier, this team thing. Because how what, what message... Don't get me wrong. I, I get that everybody loves everybody in that locker room, and they still all support Jameis and all that kinds of stuff. But if they're above five hundred, and they and there aren't some uh, two b- real bad games in a row that we might see, barring that, how are you going to take the ball out of his hand? And if you do, what does the team say? What does the team say that you? What does the team say thinking about their own position that you gave up on a guy after two games after everything he did for you? It, that's kind of where I am with the entire Jameis Winston. Interesting. So. Now, I have long, and the folks that listen to this podcast have heard me say, uh, this is Jameis's team. Uh, Jameis played great in the I preseason. So too. Yes. Uh, I don't know that Jameis couldn't have been doing the same thing Fitz has been doing. Uh, I do know, or I do believe strongly, I can't say that I know, that Jameis doesn't care. Jameis wants to play, because when you're at this level, you all want to oh, play. Everyone sure. in that locker room wants to play every down that they can. Yes. But they want to win more than they want to play. And... When I was on the the sports web last week, I made the comment, this isn't a question. I think that Jameis is the better quarterback. Does that mean that Jameis would be as effective as Ryan is right now? And, and Leadership yep. South in the chat room says, any coach that benches a quarterback with a 150 QB rating is just asking to get fired. Right. Even if he can replace him with another one who gets a 150, it's right. an unnecessary risk. I completely agree. So, while I think that in my heart of hearts, the right decision from a talent perspective, if you if you maddenize this and mm-hmm. want to say, well, I want my number one QB playing mm-hmm. is to come in after the bye and Jameis takes over. What I never want to deal with is the first time he overthrows a guy on a nine right. or misses a target or right. throws an interception, makes a boneheaded decision to have to deal with the bullshit. Correct. That will be we'll pull cacophony out again because it's appropriate in the stands. Um, so it will be interesting to see if the Bucks embrace what the Eagles did last year in reverse, where Wentz goes down late, Foles comes in, they ride him to Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that this is a Super Bowl path, guys. That's not what I'm prognosticating. What I'm saying is you put the team out there that gives you the best chance. And at this point, maybe that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know. Now, I would have said, like at the beginning of the podcast, I wouldn't even have this conversation until the bye. Right, and that probably would have been a good way to do it. But this team has never known how to communicate about shit, so <laughs> the fact that they screwed this one up doesn't surprise me either. Yeah, yeah. And um, I will also say this. It is not obvious right now. I think it will be obvious when the time comes, if it comes. I really do. I right. it is it is not obvious right now for us to sit here and be like, hey, when does James come back? It's hard to say. You don't know because you're not in the moment. It's not obvious right now. But I think I really do think when the move needs to be made, it'll be obvious one way or the other. That's well, what I think. And and what will be interesting is if if they wait for that catalyst, then on the team there will be no problem. Right? There may be a problem outside of the of the locker room. Right, because fans are going to have their opinions about everything. Mm-hmm. Listen, there's still people with Bruce Gradkowski shirts roaming around, but boy, hey, the Polish pistol. Watch it. I think he's still getting a check somewhere. <laughs> and Sean King just like popped a tendon too. And when, when I said that, um, but the interesting piece will be how the coaching staff holds this together and continues mm-hmm. to move this down. I think. And and listen, if you're one of those guys that's pulling out this bullshit racist trope that. Uh, Jameis can't read defenses well enough. Listen, you can pretend that you're calling out Jameis, but we all know what you mean. Okay, so just go ahead and put that shit on the shelf. 
we get it. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a Harvard guy. He's very smart. He's mm-hmm. been playing for, I don't know, 43 years. He has seen everything, right? Jameis can learn from that. Jameis was the first guy in, the last guy yeah. out. He's a film yeah. junkie. This is a great opportunity for him. It's going to be very interesting to see what our team does. I think we forget how young Jameis is still, though. Yeah, I, I think, think we, he's only we, 14 think, still, actually. You know, we really do, and... You know, people could talk about blessing in disguises as cliches and everything, but look, you know, Jameis Winston's been the starting quarterback of every team that he's been on with success basically since he was, what, 10 years old? And this is the first time in his life where not only has he had that honor ripped away from him by his own accord. Yeah, yeah, but, he did this to himself. But now there really is a decision. Now Jameis Winston might actually be healthy and ready and available, and they're going to somebody else. Yeah. And I wonder what that does for him. I really do because he is no longer the young kid that he was from Florida State who might take this as as motivation, but maybe in the wrong way. Now he's older. It might be truly a learning thing that he gets to do to sit on the sideline, to watch why Fitzpatrick is starting over him, to become the quarterback that they drafted number one overall to be because right now he hasn't, okay? And I get that he had a couple of good games at the end of the year. He did, and I don't want to take that away from him. But three games at the end of a season does not make a season. It does not make a franchise quarterback. We saw in the preseason, he played really well. That's great. But we all know that preseason and regular season aren't two things. So he has to come out this year and next year and truly prove that he is not only a franchise quarterback, but certainly worth the contract they're going to give him. Right. And in order for him to do that, he's got to be a different guy than he's been the last three years. Because the guy the last three years wasn't good enough. He's got to be better. And I wonder what triggers that. And it might have been this. Because if he is the guy that you all believe in him to be, as a face of the franchise, then it will be. And it's another one of those cases where I look at it and I think it's not obvious now, but it will be obvious in the future what this, what all of this has done for Jameis Winston. Because if you truly believe that he is a franchise guy, it'll he'll, he'll take this, he'll take this opportunity, and he'll learn from it, and he'll be better from it. He really will. And it'll be obvious when you see it. That's what I think. It will be interesting to see how much of the uh... – off-field, and I don't mean off-field shenanigans or anything like that, the, the non-play-related shit, the maturation. And I know Pinnacle says uh, Young went out the window the second season, and DH and Tampa said, but, but, but 4,000 yards. We're not arguing those points. Jameis said plenty of success. Right. team hasn't. Right. You it's know? a team like, game. Right. Like, now, the I, question becomes, what is the thing that's going to propel him? Will it be watching Ryan Fitzpatrick make these decisions? Will it be watching Ryan Fitzpatrick be a leader in a different way maybe than Jameis would have led? Not mm-hmm. that one is better than the other, but there's mm-hmm. certainly different flavors. Um, or is it just the extra second and a half that the offensive line gives maybe, a quarterback? Maybe right? it is. Who knows? Maybe it is. Who knows? But I think that's why I say it's yeah. tough now. It'll be obvious in the future. It's, it a, really it's, it's a good point. Now, I got a couple more questions for the chat room, and then we'll let you get going. I don't even know where you live. You probably, I think you drove over from the other side of the state, which is fantastic. I really appreciate Trevor Sycamore <laughs> in here from PeterReport.com. Of course, man. Uh, and the Draft Network, which I will continue to screw up like uh, one of the Jensen names forever. Um, there are people in this world, and there are people in this chat room, who are very concerned uh, about Vita Vea and Rojo. Two draft picks. No productivity, no ability to get on the field. One with injury, one with ineptitude, it seems. What are your thoughts about these guys, and how concerned are you about that? Yeah, I mean, no question. Should should have drafted Derwin Jett. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, wouldn't, I wasn't about to mark cookie, cookie here on this podcast. <laughs> and but, again. No, no, I mean, like, Vita's going to be fine. I mean, people are already sitting here freaking out about every single play that Derwin James makes. I mean, was Derwin James a great player? Yeah, but y'all are going to have to get over it, man. Like, Derwin James is going to make plays every week. 
Y'all he's also going to get beat every week. He's also going to get beat every week, and he's also not a Buccaneer every week. So he's, he's y'all not. might as well. I checked his Instagram just now. He's not a Buccaneer. Y'all might as well just let him stop living rent-free in the back of your mind. Just get him <laughs> out of there and just start enjoying being a fan. I think Vita's going to be all right. Now, here's the thing about Vita. He, and you and I talked about this before the podcast. He's not going to be a three-tech to replace Jerome McCoy. He's just not. He's a big dude. He's an athletic zero-tech. He could be a really great piece for a front four and a front seven in general, okay? That's what Vita Vea can be. Um, the injury right away, it's not great. It, it's probably going to affect his first year a little bit, it, but it's going to be a learning year for anybody. I mean, we saw Justin Evans struggle a ton last year. And Absolutely. He is, you know, it takes the next step it right in a now. huge way. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, people love, and boy, it's ironic to say this as a 27-year-old, but, like, people love this instant gratification stuff, and I'm one of them because in Madden, guess what I do? I just draft all the rookies. That's all I do. And then the second I draft somebody the next year, I just start him. And that's just like the mentality that it is. But that's not how he exists in real life. <laughs> it's a learning curve. It takes all that kind of stuff. And so now that brings us to Ronald Jones a little bit too. Guys, you got to realize this. Ronald Jones is 20 years old. Or I guess he just turned 21. He is a kid, okay? He was from Texas. Then he went out to Cali. And here's the thing. His first couple of years when he played for USC, he was timid. He was timid running the ball. That's just the way that he was. That third year, that junior year, he was all settled in. He was a Trojan. It was his show. Guess what? He had the best year of his career, and he flew up draft boards because of it. That's why they drafted him. Now, you're taking a 20-year-old kid who was already away from home, flying him all the way across the country, new life, new growing up, new city, new friends, new team, new everything. Guess what? He's a little bit timid. I mean, so I, I would be too. I was timid when I went to college. I punked out of going up to Michigan, and I stayed with one of my best friends. I went to Southeastern in Lakeland. Shout out. Southeastern. Way to go. Yeah. Fire. So, I mean, like. Rocking the fire. Like, I get like I get it. So, Ronald Jones is going to be <laughs> fine. But, it, I mean, are you going to expect a ton from him this year? Maybe not. I mean, Sean Wilson is killing it. And you got to give him the chance because he is. He's playing special teams. He's not going to. Ronald Jones is not going to be the pass blocker that Jacquees Rogers, the eight-year vet, is this year. It's just not going to happen. It's unrealistic. And Peyton Barber, he's not even Peyton Barber's kind of running back. Why do you think it is that fans, and, and this is to you guys in the chat rooms too, guys, why is it that fans seem to think that the ROI on draft picks, especially if they're above, say, the fourth round, has to be immediate? Especially I, if you're a team that, like, if you suck, if you come out and you're going to be a team's going to put up four wins, yeah. then you expect immediate returns. You have to because you're drafting for these people you're drafting high. But if you've got the pantry that the Bucks have in the skill positions. Right. Do you really think that you're going to draft a kid who's going to come in and then just light shit up? Well, I mean, it's kind of case by case, obviously, because if you draft a guy like Derwin James, he's starting immediately next to Justin Evans, probably, right? So, I mean, that's what fans have in the back of their head, and so they think, oh, this guy would have been a better pick overall. But I'll tell you, there's a reason why we as draft analysts wait a minimum of three years before we do any kind of redraft like a 2014 redraft or something like that you have to wait three years to actually see how a guy progresses how he gets into his role the coaching staff the scheme all this kinds of stuff you have to wait yes you want to be able to the higher you pick guys in the draft you want to be able to play them right away but look i had this conversation with scott not too long ago if you win a super bowl doesn't matter who cares and obviously it's super bowl it's very early for this team 
But people love to compare. They love to compare. The grass is always greener on a different team. That's what people love to do, especially with the draft. Well, and they're only going to remember the one guy or the two guys that did do great things. And they're only going to remember the one year that they did do the great things and not the two years after where they sucked balls. Yeah, right. right. So that's, <laughs> right. that's what's going on. And, 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 right. And in the chat room right now, in, and Rick Hughes is bringing up points. Can you, bring up, can you think of another running back who's done this where they came out and not played a lot and then all of a sudden became good? I can't. You may be able to. You're a draft expert. You may be able to come up with a model that that works in but even in the absence of this right yeah and and cheryl i I don't have to give fans a break right and and fans are happy and welcome not to listen i'm not busting their balls too much but but my opinion on this and this is just my opinion i don't ever force my opinion on you guys you're welcome to have your own opinions fuck many of you thought a lot of dumb shit over the last 13 years right and i couldn't get you out of those molds either (laughs) but the running game people are concerned about for reasons that don't make any fucking sense because the team is outscoring the other team and we don't have to run. There is no magical formula that says that the team has to run for five yards of carry and throw for 11 yards per reception and score on every third possession. There isn't any of these things. Right. And I mean, like, look... Would I have drafted Derwin James over Vita Vea? Yes, I would have. He was higher on my board. I right. would have drafted Vita. Right. Would I have drafted Darius Geis over Ronald Jones? Yes, I would have. He was higher on my board. But, like, does that mean that Vea and Ronald Jones aren't going to be good players for this Buccaneers team? No, probably not. They'll probably be fine. They're talented dudes. But it's just, again, it's, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of that stuff. You're, the, team is, the team is 2-0. They're playing well. And yet, what are we complaining about? That the rookies aren't getting playing time while the veterans are killing it? Come on, man. And and, and I get it. We all want to try and make everything better, right? And and no, I know that I got shit after no the first No GM week. is perfect is the thing. Right. I mean, Jason Light has been all over the place with his successes and failures, but so has literally every other GM. The only thing that matters is when you have a three-year window to win a Super Bowl, you win it in one of those years. That's all that matters. Right. However it came up, whether it was undrafted free agents, whether it was hitting on certain— or whether it was hitting on certain free agents, sure. certain signings, whatever it is. Yeah. Because now people... Limiting the Michael Johnsons of the world. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, when Cam Bray got signed this offseason, how many people love that move? We that, all did. That are now, two games in, they're like, well, you got to trade Bray. Okay, I mean, come on. You didn't think that they thought about this? They probably did. So, I don't know. It's just a... The whole rookie thing is weird because, again, neither of these guys have even played. Right. So I, I already said, would I have drafted different guys? Yeah, I, I would have. Because your just, board was different. Right, because my board was different. But for us to call them busts already, for us to call them right. not worth what they were worth, I, I don't even know that. Even even though I can look at my grades of somebody and be like, yeah, I probably would have gone a different direction, I can't sit here and say that they were terrible picks for the Buccaneers. I don't know. There, You have to hope when you're at this point, when you think you're at this point, and the Bucks thought they were at this point last year, guys. We all thought they were at this point. Well, many of us thought they were at this point last year, and they just weren't. Um, you're going to need guys who are at the bottom of your rank now, who are in the inactive uh, stack inside of 53 but not wearing a jersey yet Mm -hmm. by the end of the year they're going to have to start playing football right injuries are going to happen it's a long you hope at this point it's a long season right you're hoping it's a longer than 16 game season right right so the vita veas of the world the ronald jones of the world get that burn so the person in the chat room who made the comment about uh Okay, Ricky says, just don't pretend Rojo isn't a disappointment. I'm not pretending shit, Rick, and I know that that's just the way you write, but go fuck yourself. Rojo's not a disappointment because I didn't expect anything else. I didn't think he could beat Peyton Barber out anyway. Right. No mystery here to me. Right. Right. Is he a better blocker than Quiz? No, and he couldn't have been. 
Right. Right. I didn't expect him to walk That's in. How many of the big name backs have come in and become the Adrian Peterson bams right out of the world? Yeah. Not a lot of them do that. And the ones who did last year were ones no one fucking thought would do it. Yeah. If this were a science, right, then there wouldn't be any mystery to mm-hmm. it. So, and you can be. I'm not telling you, you you can't be, but you can't make me be the way you are. That's the difference here, Rick. <laughs> you can be as mad as you want about a 2-0 and start for a team who hasn't been able to play football worth a shit in a fucking decade. Right. I'm not mad about it. Right. I am totally ecstatic about it. Are there things that could get better? Yes. Am I disappointed about draft picks? Not in your fucking life am I upset about them because I haven't seen them on the field with the ones. Right. I mean, like if they get to produce. Right. I mean, like if they come up on the field and they suck, sure. All right. But like you said, like he was never going to be a better blocker than Quiz in year one. No. And he was never going to be a better north to south runner than Peyton. Like that was just the thing. If you expected him to be, then you need better expectations. That's the thing. So we'll see. And and this is the great thing about what's going on in the fringe media, as we call it, right? There's podcasts for everyone's style, everyone's flavor. Uh, We've done it the way we do it for 13 years. Other people do it the way they do it. I want to thank Trevor for coming out. Uh, and being in this podcast, I'd love to have you back out here more regularly. I don't, again, I don't know how far it is for you to come out here. It ain't that bad. It's a nice so, drive. I like driving. Well, there you go. I got so, a new car, so I like driving. Well, then we'll we'll uh, we'll have you out there. We'll have you back out here. We've predicted a Bucks victory that'll take us to three and zero, and the team and the town will lose their shit, which will be fantastic. I'll be very excited about that, and set up an opportunity for the Bucks to do something that I haven't seen in a long time, which is uh, have a chance to go four and uh, Make sure you're out the tailgate. Uh, Cheryl and Shawnee reminded us quickly that we start at four o'clock. We're at 3316 West Ohio. Make sure you bring socks. And what was the other thing, Cheryl? I don't remember the other thing. Shit. Socks and something else. Not toiletries. Don't bring shit. No, don't bring shit. No, bring we shit. We have portalettes, though. If you need to shit, you can. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll start at 4 o'clock. We'll let you know the itinerary will probably be out tomorrow. We'll get that stuff out to you guys. And One Voice is the beneficiary. We're hoping we can get a good crowd out there so that in total we can get to $5,000 in the first two, two tailgates. We're also hoping Shawnee's working her magic. Last year she got Randy Moss uh, and uh, and Charles out to us uh, at the tailgate, which was a lot of fun. So we're hoping to see them again this year. So uh, from the What the Bucks have, thank you, Trevor. Can you tell people where they can find all of your work? Because I know you got a bunch of stuff out there above and beyond the Cover 3, which I'm enamored with. This is true. Uh, if you guys are on Twitter, at Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E. Tell them why you had to change your Twitter. Oh, like why the old one got suspended? That one is that <laughs> that's a good story. Okay, so uh, you guys want to hear this? About a year ago, I was working for I was working for Bucks Nation. Actually, I was working for Sander when he was the when he was the editor there. Um, and I just told him like, "Hey, man, do you have anybody covering the Bucks here? I know you don't live here." And he's like, "No." And I was like, "Okay, I'll do it for free for the games I can go to." And what I would do is during the fucker didn't call me during the that's some bullshit. That's some fuckery right there. <laughs> so. Um, well, now you wish you didn't because I got in trouble for it. So, I loved it. So I'm not afraid of trouble. What I would do is I would stay at home and I would videotape highlights on my phone. Like if a big play happened, like for example, the Deshaun Jackson touchdown, I would pause the TV, I'd rewind it, I'd record it on my phone, and then I'd tweet it out. I'd be one of the first people to tweet it out. And um, <laughs> the NFL found that, and uh, let me just tell you, I, uh, I they weren't too happy. You know, what the, you know what the play that did it? It was the Jameis Winston play where they were, I think they were playing the was it the Bears? Where Jameis hikes it, moves a couple guys around, goes all the way back into his own end zone, yeah, yeah, comes yeah, yeah. back out, and then heaves it down the mic, to Mike Evans. Mike d- and I literally just recorded that. I was one of the first people to have it up on Twitter, and I just said, this is the greatest play I've ever seen in my life. And I just hit tweet, and I think that tweet got about 7,000 retweets in about 30 minutes. It was blowing up more than I've ever seen, and the NFL went, hey, um, yeah, you can't do that. And then they went down and saw every other video tweet that I've ever done. And they went, yeah, this is flagged, this is flagged, this is flagged. All right, you're done. 
So that's why at Trevor Sycamore, RIP, I'll never get it back. Can't even get my own name back. My man is a Twitter outlaw. So yeah, Tampa Bay Trey is where you can find me now. PeterReport.com is where I do all my buck stuff. The Draft Network is where I'm doing all my uh, NFL draft stuff. If you like that stuff too. So uh, check both of them out. Appreciate everybody um, supporting all the things I do. And even just interacting with me, man. Like doing these podcasts, interacting with people on Twitter, talking sports. Well, we'll have you That's out awesome. here as, as often as you're willing. Uh, we've had a couple of requests to have you and Fish out here at the same time, oh, which I think could be, be absolute trouble. We're that probably going to have to do a weekend, um, but that sounds like a good time. When you, get, when you get your room set up, we can do that. Get you guys out here. We'll have, a, we'll have a good old time. So thanks, you guys, for watching this, whether it was on Facebook Live or listening to Mixer. We'll get the podcast up here directly, and we'll see you guys at the game Monday. Don't forget it's Monday. If you show up Sunday, you're going to be very early, but say hello to Kurt because I think Kurt will be setting up the tailgate on Sunday. Uh, because that's just who he is. So for Trevor, for the whole What the Buck crew, I want to thank you for joining us, and we are out of here.